0: dragging on. There's strikes on the batter. Some runners are on. But suddenly uh-huh.
1: everyone's looking at me. My mind has been
0: wondering
1: what could it be. They point to the sky and I look up above and a baseball falls into my glove. important you know you gotta know how to
0: catch you gotta know how to throw that's why i play in right field way up where the dandelions grow as a proud sponsor of
1: little league baseball pizza hut welcomes all the kids who make it great,
0: Making it
2: great.
3: hey real nerds there's many ways to enjoy the real nerds podcast you can listen to us on Stitcher, iTunes, and now Spotify and iHeartRadio. You can see what we're up to around town by following us at RealNerds on Instagram. And if you want to send us your thoughts, you can email us at realnerds at gmail.com or call us at 720 6Nerds5. Like us on Facebook at Real nerds Podcast or tweet us at RealNerds. And now on with the show.
2: Mysterious. All police and detectives are furious Cause they can't find the source Of this lethally evil force This is serious So give me a quarter I was a witness, get me a report Call April O'Neil in on this case ain't hey, you better hurry up, there's no time to wait We need help like Quick on the double Have pity on the city, man it's in trouble We need heroes like the Lord Ranger When Tonto came pronto When there was danger They didn't say we'd be there in half an hour Displayed... This is Real Nerds Podcast, and we are officially the official podcast of Denver Pop Culture Con, Thanksgiving edition 2020. I am Ryan on Zoom, and I am also joined by James Hart.
3: I'm masquerading as James this week.
2: Cause... Brad, how are you? I'm all right. Busy. Yeah. Trying to get I know, things done. You, uh, I always... You know, when you look uh, in Facebook and stuff, I see stuff you post and it'd be like three from three hours ago. And I look at, you know, I'm up at six. I go, he was up at three <laughs> in the morning doing shit. Yep. <laughs> I know I, I, my schedule got switched. So now I do five to 3 a.m. And it's awful.
3: Yeah, it's like night, night shift.
2: And they didn't tell me. So on Wednesday I went in at 11 and I said, oh, work this one. And then uh, you can switch to what we call our swing shift. And so I, on Friday, I woke up and I had the biggest headache in the world and I was just like pissed. And I said, man, I'm just the whiniest little person right now.
3: <laughs> yeah. You know, people are dying of a uh, coronavirus and you're like,
2: oh God, I'm so tired. I got to go to work. I get, I still get paid and have a job. I have a headache. <laughs> yeah. My life is so rough. Uh, hey, Coran, what's up? She's eating a taco right now. Um, is this from Taco Bell or Del Taco?
0: No, it's from Jack in the Box.
2: Oh, so I have a funny story. You know, I used to work for Qdoba, and mm-hmm. Qdoba is owned by Jack in the Box, and really? they, uh, yeah, and they told me that their uh, tacos are all they sell, or one of the few things they sell at Angel Stadium in Anaheim, and they sell thousands of them. Huh. They're very, they're very popular, and I saw sure. how they made them. They're good. Hmm. So what they do is they take uh, the taco shell and they put the ground beef in it and then they deep fry it and then they add the cheese and the lettuce and taco sauce.
0: Deep fried tacos are amazing.
2: Right. And then what I love about Jack in the box tacos too, is it still, is it still three for a dollar or is it two for a dollar? I can't remember.
0: It's like two for a dollar 69 or something like that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. They're like ridiculously cheap and good. So, good to have you on back-to-back weeks, Corinne.
0: Well, I mean, it's not like I got anything else to do.
2: (laughs) Don't you have a breaking news story in Idaho Springs to cover? Wink. That was maybe the worst day ever.
0: (laughs) I thought of you when I saw that. I was like, I really hope Brian wasn't working that shift. And then I remembered, like, I had seen some, you, like, posted something on Facebook around that time, and I was like, oh, good, he's home, and he's not dealing with this
2: bullshit. I was there.
1: So, what, what happened exactly?
2: Yeah, can the you talk like arrested. we were there? <laughs> yeah. The, uh, yeah, the mayor got arrested. <laughs> what? <laughs> yep. Uh, if you'd For like, you could, uh, I'm not going to say it online because I don't want to get in trouble. You can go to the clearcreekcurrent.com and you can read Corinne's uh, article and it'll tell you exactly what happened. Okay. Corinne, can you say it Allegedly. and not get in trouble?
0: <laughs> oh God, I could tell you, I could read the article off to you. It's public record. He got it- arrested. I read through the arrest affidavit. He was arrested on suspicion of domestic violence, criminal mischief and harassment.
3: Oh, okay. Okay. That sucks. Yeah.
2: Yep. But but good that you caught him. It's really awesome. When you get a text message on your way into work and they say, Hey, stop by this restaurant. (laughs) (laughs) Restaurant.
0: I thought he was at his house.
2: Um, he was. And then, uh, Okay. Then, we went, then we then we went to his restaurant. We went to his restaurant to go contact him. Cool. Hmm. Yep.
0: Yeah. So that happened. Yeah, that was yeah. a weird Friday night. I was trying to like, I forget. I was watching a movie or something, and then I look. I just happened to look at Facebook, and they're like, "Oh, Mary Hillman was arrested." I'm like, "Shit." There goes my next two hours. Thankfully oh, like, yeah, totally. the under sheriff like emailed me right away. Like yeah. he, like I actually saw, I saw his email first. So
2: Well, you know, it's uh not really for me to say, but you know, when it's something like that happens, we turn the investigation over to a different department. So Yep, that that was my Friday. It was great. Yeah. Um really weird. It set off a really weird vibe. Um
3: Zach and I had a fun Friday. We recorded a commentary. Yes, we
1: did. Yeah, I saw
0: that.
3: Which is something we don't usually do on this show very much anymore. Yeah, that
0: was I a figured, lot of fun. I mean, not to like offend you, but I figured I should not listen to it because I hadn't seen the movie on its own yet. So now uh, that I have, I can revisit it with the commentary sometime.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah man, it, was, it
0: was a uh, lot of fun.
1: The first time the is not when
0: you listen to a commentary.
3: <laughs> right. <laughs> I think know, I, uh, sorry,
2: sorry, Brad, go ahead.
3: It'll clear up some of the questions you had in your live stream last night.
2: Um, (laughs) I I was just going to say, I forgot to mention at the top of the show, you know, every week we go see a new movie and podcast our experience of the world, unless there's a pandemic going on and the movie theaters are closed. So um, Corinne gave me this great idea last week Mm -hmm. after we watched uh, The Princess Bride and she said, hey, Brad really loves Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, 1990, we should really do that. For the episode, I said, you know, I've never heard that before. That's a great idea. And so uh, this week we'll be visiting Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 1990, um, which is going to be a series of 1990 films leading into Film Splosion 1990. Um, I'm not
3: sure exactly. Is that going to undercut the Film Splosions at all? Like, because we're going to do these in depth reviews, and then when we get to the Film Splosion, it's going to be like. (laughs) Revisiting what we just talked about for the past six if, to eight weeks.
1: If anything, it'll make all, each individual review shorter somehow because we'll just say, "Just listen to our review on it." <laughs> Moving
2: on, James, what's your number five? <laughs> well, no, it's. I think it's just a way to ramp up anticipation for it. Because um, I mean, what else are we going to do?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I
2: mean, and we got to start knocking down some film explosions since we're almost halfway through the year and we still have four more to do. <laughs> so, um, so we got to take care of that stuff.
0: Although I was texting my friend Jerry earlier and he asked the question of like, so basically since the movie industry has like shut down, like starting mid mid March or whatever, does that mean that like Sonic and Birds of Prey are going to get nominated for best picture?
2: (laughs) (laughs) They'll find a way not to.
1: One of those (laughs) sounds less ridiculous than the other.
2: I'm just hoping Top Gun Maverick gets nominated for editing again. Burn Corinne.
1: Did it? Did, wait, so they didn't care. delay back to, to the next year, right? They're just delaying it later in the year.
2: Uh, Top Gun's December.
1: Okay, gotcha, gotcha. All right. That was
2: because you said it was poorly edited, the first one, Corinne, and it was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Editing. I don't forget I don't anything. I'll hold that grudge against you for dissing Top Gun forever. Much,
1: much like an elephant, a frost never forgets.
2: That's right. <laughs> Especially when it comes to Tommy Cruise. Can I call him Tommy? <laughs> <laughs>
0: When, that he, sounds comes, weird. If, when I mean, he comes, when he
1: comes on speed dial, we can ask him. <laughs> when he comes, makes it sounds
0: like he did a movie, like he did, he redid Tommy Boy, and they called it Tommy Cruz. Ah, oh, that'd be awesome, <laughs> little Tommy Cruz.
2: You know, I'm hoping. Uh, I mean, it sucks that uh, San Diego Comic Con won't happen this year, but California is getting it worse than we are, so I understand. Um, so maybe they'll make Denver Pop Culture Con like the Pop Culture. Con of the year because WonderCon was also canceled, and then Tommy Cruz will show up.
0: Yeah, that'd be cool.
2: And he said, Hey man, I heard you saw my movies and you like them. I can't wait to have that guy moderate my panel like Conan O'Brien. It's gonna be great.
1: He's he has to walk through the floor at some point to get a churro, and when he does, he stops by our booth. (laughs) That's
2: right. Hey, Corinne, has Jerry ever thought about getting a booth at Comic-Con? I was watching he, him...
0: He's going to get one this year.
2: Is he? Yeah. I was watching him draw the other day, like, on his Facebook, and I was hypnotized. I was like, he's fun. He's good. Yeah,
0: he's had a, he's had a booth there before. He hasn't done it the last couple of years, just because mm. I guess it takes too much time, and he really has to, like, prepare for it. But he's planning to do one this year, and he was really upset when it got pushed back to mm. November, although he understood why, but... Yeah. Um, and I, he actually invited me to come as one of his guests, nice. and I was really looking forward to it too because I've actually never been to Pop Culture Con. Oh, oh, Fine. Or a Comic Con or whatever. Period.
2: Why don't you throw your media credentials around and be like, "Get me in there."
0: I why I, I don't unless we had some kind of local angle. That's in Denver. It's t- totally unrelated. To uh, you County. do have
2: a local angle. Uh, the star of Pop Culture Con is there. That's me and i live i
0: can't cover you now because we're friends
2: and i live in clear creek county cop by day pop culture enthusiast by night
1: ryan it's you and sam jones you're both the stars
0: sweet
2: (laughs) that makes me so happy
0: it would be a conflict of interest unfortunately i I thought about that actually i was like dang it (laughs) now i'm like friends with these guys i can't cover them anymore
2: yeah, I mean, you already wrote one really great article about me, so you really can't write another one. It's just me hogging the spotlight.
0: Right, and that was before we were, like, really good friends, though.
2: Yeah, and I mean, that was probably your greatest article you ever wrote.
0: Didn't win any awards, though.
2: <laughs> That's because it, it, just like Citizen Kane, it was not recognized in its time.
1: Yeah, exactly. It only got one award for Best Adapted Article. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and Howard Mankiewicz won it with Corinne.
2: <laughs> yes
1: that's it that's, that's too deep a joke for people i'm sorry
2: <laughs> i know i i always have them you know that's that's yeah. that just proves that i'm a pop culture nerd on any decade a
1: toast for a, whether to, it be to jokes on my terms
2: <laughs> yes whether it be 30s 40s 50s i got you covered
0: i was hoping we could have jerry on the podcast one day we are sure, trying sure. to, like, figure something out. And then, of course, you know, now the movie industry is shut down. But
2: but sometimes it seems like Zoom's easier to get people on.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. You know? yeah. I mean, I was just hoping we could find a movie that he was, like, super enthusiastic about. And then that way you all could do your nerd stuff and I could just sit back and just watch.
2: Love it. Well, uh, I'm guessing maybe Black Widow in November would be a good one.
3: My fear is that once we can start seeing movies again, um and we, we can be in the same room, people will be like, I'm not gonna drive down to Denver to be on the podcast. I'll just do it from here.
2: Yeah. Well, no, I mean I think it's important to have human interactions, Brad. I'll never leave you. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. Thank You're yes. well you know it. You will never get rid of me. Uh <laughs> <laughs> people Aww. can't see what we're doing. Yeah. But, um, I thought
0: you released the, the one, uh, the Nerdemic 2 on YouTube.
3: Yeah, so here's the thing. Um, the first episode or the second episode was like three three gigs because it was only like an hour long. But the last episode was two hours long, so that's eight gigs plus. So I don't know if those are going to be on there that much unless we can make the show shorter.
2: Well, we're fixing to find out. <laughs> Let's start the show. With, um, is there m- movie news?
1: There is one piece of news
2: April O'Neill, Channel 3 Eyewitness News.
1: And it's a death. Um, Sorry to get excited about that. Um, Brian Dennehy passed away.
0: Yeah, I figured you were going to talk about
2: that. Yeah, and wh- you should be excited How
0: about, about that? that.
1: Let's talk about a star from Cocoon. <laughs> um, Yeah, he Brian Dennehy. He was also
0: on the blacklist, guest oh, starred a couple sure of times. He was. Really? He did a good job. They actually replayed one of the episodes he was in on Friday night in honor of him.
2: One of my favorite, uh, Pat Oswalt bits is he's talking about how he went to the dark Knight (laughs) premiere and he's, uh, seeing all these people that look great. Christian Bell, all the movie stars, and there's tons of food and they're not eating it because they're stars and they don't eat food. And then he looks over and there's Brian Dennehy eating food and, um, and Brian Dennehy, uh, towards the end of the night says, Character actors, who gives a fuck if we're fat? <laughs> and it's <laughs>
1: love that bad. joke. <laughs> um, yeah. Brian Dennehy, noted character actor. He's in Tommy Boy <laughs> and of FX that I haven't seen, but I'm sure Ryan has at some point. Um uh and then of of course Cocoon. He plays the lead in the aliens that uh, uh come down and. Uh, they get stolen around by old people. So, wow, James has turned into a picture. Sorry, yeah. I, to mean, love, but James is a picture now.
3: Yeah. I switched to video because your connection is really bad. So you should probably switch to a uh, non-video too.
1: All right. Gotcha. I'll switch to non-video. There we go. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah.
3: Passed away. Will be
1: missed. Um, I love, I love him in Cocoon. I love him in Tommy boy too. He's really fun in Tommy boy. Oh, he's
2: great in Tommy boy.
1: Yeah. So, um, but yeah,
3: um, I like him in First Blood. Yeah, he's yeah, oh,
1: First Blood. Yeah, amazing, that's right? In First Blood. Yep, a lot of cool guys in First Blood. It's technically the, the of villain Blood.
2: of First Blood.
3: Yeah, because right. he, because he drew the First Blood. Ryan, does he make small town cops look bad?
2: Yes. <laughs> but let me tell you the story from this week. So this like army vet comes into town, and I don't <laughs> want him there right away. I mean, he's trouble. He has a duffel bag. I mean, his clothes are all ratty. Can you believe it? So what I did, just kidding. I'm just doing a recap of Rambo for all those people listening. I've never me, seen Rambo. First Blood. Just called First Blood. Uh, it's been rebranded as Rambo First Blood. Not
1: not in my mind, no.
0: <laughs> I've never seen any of the Rambo movies. Oh, you
1: should. You should at least watch First Blood, Corinne. I mean, if you want to go further, cool. They're fun.
2: But First Maybe First for catching
0: the classics one day.
2: Yeah, I mean the first Rambo really isn't a fun movie. It's a drama about a, like PTSD and the treatment of Vietnam vets. Yeah. And then they go off the rails to like crazy action movies.
1: Yeah. Yeah, still haven't seen that fifth one
3: though. Hey, you know what? Now we have this uh soundboard option. Let's uh let's play a performance of Brian Dennehy.
1: Okay, Colonel, now you got us all scared to death. What what do you and the special forces think I ought to do about your psycho out there? Let him go. Do what? For now. Diffuse the whole situation. Diffuse him. Provide a little gap and let him slip through it. Then put out a nationwide APB. In a couple of weeks, you'll pick him up in Seattle or someplace working in a car wash. There'll be no fight and nobody else will get hurt. I do my own work. I don't figure the best way to do that is to close my eyes and then hope he gets picked up in Seattle. Well, if you send your people in there after him, they'll get killed. You know, we're just a small, hick-town sheriff's department, Colonel, but we're expected to do our duty just like our heroes in the special forces. In special forces, we teach our people to stay alive in the line of duty. No shit. I never thought of that. You want a war you can't win? Are you telling me that 200 men against your boy is a no-win situation for us? You send that many. don't forget one thing. What? A good supply of body bags. Richard Crenna, man. Fucking Troutman. Love Richard Crenna. Yep. It, anyway, yeah, but we'll be missed. Um, and oh, oh, by the way, also, you should check out the um, version of Death of a Salesman that he did. Um, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, he got an, uh, an Emmy nomination for it, and he, he was great as Willie Loman. So. Yep, yeah, that's news.
2: Nice. Hey, movies come out on Blu-ray they do and there's uh one you should catch this week
1: yes i've got it here yes yes check it out man anything you guys want we got um so uh i guess it does require a small bit of setup paramount's putting out a bunch of their um high their classic films on a new blu-ray release um and amongst those you can get are fatal attraction from 1987 uh the Elvis movie King Creole, uh from nineteen fifty-eight. And uh of course the most important one, which is um, Alfred Hitchcock's To Catch a Thief. Um, yeah. in stunning new packaging, uh with a nice cool paramount mountain logo up in the top right uh top left hand corner. Um and they're supposed to be like even deluxe editions, is what I was led to believe from the press release that uh, Ryan and I saw. Um Yeah, yeah I guess
2: the uh it comes in a case and when you open the case it folds out to the movie poster yeah um yeah and it has a new video program with the one and only leonard malton so it should be amazing
1: yep and uh they're supposed to be doing airplane for this series as well but i think that's been delayed or is that just later in the year
2: but yeah they're just trickling them out they just announced the pretty in pink release which has never been on blu-ray surprisingly
1: Guys, guys, Paramount still has access to some of its classic films. I do know which ones they have the rights to. So just get a hold of me, Paramount. I'll tell you what to put out. Um, on the new front, though, we've got Bad Boys for Life, uh, which you can check out in 4K and Blu-ray. I saw it. It was fine. Um, the Gentleman in 4K, again, also fine. You can get that. Um, 30 Rock is coming to Blu-ray for the first time with the complete series, so you can get that. It's from Mill Creek. Any idea uh-huh. how much that is? I uh, would pull that up right now.
2: They're usually like $60
1: says it's 69.99. Yeah, look at that. From Amazon. So 10 bucks more. Cause it's 30 rocking. It's great. Um, scream factory is putting out the curse of the werewolf from 1961. I believe this is a, a hammer selection. That is uh, yes. And then, um, let's see. Criterion is putting out the cremator. I have never heard of this movie, but like that title sounds interesting. Um, and uh, let's see. Oh, it looks like it's a World War II movie, so it might be depressing. Um, Ip Man 4, the finale uh, from 2019, coming out on 4K and Blu-ray. Um, and then, let's see, Like a Boss uh, from early this year. Did anybody see Like a Boss?
0: Oh, that's the one with uh Rose Byrne and what's-her-face.
1: Uh, Tiffany Haddish, yeah.
0: Yes, I did. It was by the numbers. Okay. Memorable not...
2: according to Corinne, she's like, That's the one with those one people.
0: <laughs> I I, I, can't, I just kept thinking, like, the lady who voices the queen, whatever I want to be in Lego movie two. I don't, get... I'm not a big Tiffany Haddish person, but y'all know I love Rose Byrne. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I, I like Tiffany Haddish in Girls Trip. Um, never saw that, and she's good in the Lego movie too, but. Um, That's about it for me. Sorry, I was reading about the cremator, and yeah, I'm going to want to watch this. I'm sorry I um, made it sound unimportant. Um, Warner Archive is putting out Reflections in a Golden Eye um, with Elizabeth Taylor and Marlon Brando. Also has Robert, Jackie Brown, Forrester, so you should definitely check that out. Um, And then Rachel and the Stranger coming from Warner Archive with Loretta Young, William Holden, and Robert
2: Mitchum.
0: Ooh, William
2: Holden. Yep. Ooh, Loretta Young. Ooh, Robert
1: Mitchum.
0: <laughs> wait, wait, wait. No, no.
1: <laughs> uh, so yeah, you can check that out. Um, and then it looks like, oh, this one I wanted to bring attention to. Uh, Severin's putting out a documentary called Blood and Flesh, uh, The Real Life and Grizzly Death of Al Adamson. This is about a guy who produced a lot of schlock drive-in movies and then was, also, and then was brutally murdered. <laughs> so um, it's been getting great reviews. Um, it's coming out from Severin, so you can check it out um and that is about it oh yeah the turning from this year other than that
2: nothing else so it's always just great. throw
0: the turning under the bus who gives a shit about that movie yeah you know, watch I, the innocence it's way better
1: I, it, it i i you still need to watch and i still need to read that story that it's based on because i'm an illiterate freak uh that's blu-rays
2: well it's a great week whenever carrie grant shows up on blu-ray
1: it is, and we'll be talking about him some more. <laughs> His voice is terrible.
2: <laughs> that is terrible. You sound yeah. like uh, a pale imitation. Horn, leg
0: Leghorn. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> I, say, I, say, I, say, I say, I say, I'm, I'm Cary, Cary Grant.
1: <laughs> I say, even Marie Saint, please come up here, Mister Thorndac.
0: <laughs> you know, I gotta say, I watched To Catch a Thief a couple years back, and I was not impressed with it. No. Like it's a you fun know, y'all know me. I love Cary Grant. I love old movies. And I mean, I like Grace Kelly, but I don't know what it was about that movie. I just didn't like it.
1: It's 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 a fun, lighthearted affair. It's not the best Hitchcock movie either, but it's really, really cool. Really, really fun.
0: I don't think I knew it was a Hitchcock movie until the credits rolled on it. Not like, many people do.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Cary Grant wasn't even going to do it until he found out that they were filming it in the French Riviera. And he said, okay, I'll go. <laughs> <And then>
1: Grace <laughs> Kelly was going to be in it, and you're just like, of course I'm going to do this. I'd be a yeah. fool not to freaking do it.
2: I think he didn't do a movie for something like two years, and he was going to retire, and that movie brought him out of retirement.
1: Yeah, um, and then he would go on, obviously, to do others like North by Northwest, and uh, like I don't remember what five, year five more movies, yeah, yeah.
2: Good and, for and, and
1: Faberge Egg?
2: Yes, he was, and the board yeah. of directors of Faberge Egg. Well, well, you see, because I wanted to take the plane around the world
0: yeah well he wasn't as high society as grace kelly he was not i don't know if anybody got that joke but i made a joke there grace kelly was in a movie called high society with frank sinatra and bing crosby go watch it it's amazing
1: the story done better what
0: i said it's the philadelphia story done better false whoa whoa yeah i said it don't at me that's
2: (laughs) it well a we'll say a f What Wait, what does my wife say? I don't remember. Something like acronym that young people say. I'm too old.
1: Get off my lawn. Um, Actually, High Society is a fun movie. I like the Philadelphia story better, but I like watching Frank Sinatra do stuff. But yeah.
2: You know, I was reading uh, Evenings with Cary Grant, and I didn't know that in Pride and Passion that Frank Sinatra walked off the set and they had to send Cary to Los Angeles to talk him back into coming back to the movie. Mm. And then I was thinking about it. And there is a couple scenes where you only see the back of Frank Sinatra with Mm. Cary Grant talking to him. I said, oh, now that makes a little more sense.
1: Well, could you also tell because the stunt, because the double was probably a little bulkier.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's like Vin Diesel in The Rock on the Fast and Furious set. (laughs)
1: Yes. Because you see, Frank Sinatra was thin. He was very thin like a straw. And then he got into the Rat Pack and suddenly Vegas gave him lots of food. Hey,
2: Zach, um, are you on something? You keep on doing with, these weird voices. What's with the accents? <laughs> I don't know.
1: I'm just in a good mood tonight, I guess. I don't know.
2: He's on anyway. cocaine. No. Well, we'll bring that if down. Zach's
0: going to do an accent. I feel like we all should. Isn't that yeah. right, governor? It's a,
1: it's a silly voice. It's not...
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> he just fucked up. Bye! <laughs> yeah.
3: Zoom has decided that Zach this, is done. Zach's
0: like,
2: <laughs> you know what? You don't like my accents. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> wow our like in our conference even got started running smoother and
3: (laughs) yeah if anyone can run off of a direct line do it because it'll uh definitely run better i wish do you not have an ethernet connection at your remote house? no i
2: i i can but i don't have an ethernet cable that's long enough Mm.
0: and my Um, laptop doesn't take ethernet cables really yeah i know it's weird
2: Well, some of them start to get rid of it. Like, it's a pain in the ass. I I didn't realize my laptop is six years old. But even back then, it's hard to find one with a disk drive. Mm -hmm. And now they're almost impossible to find with a disk drive.
0: I remember my laptop that I had in college didn't have a disk drive. Mm -hmm. That was like 10 years ago.
3: Yep. Well, uh, that's the show for this week.
2: Thanks for... (laughs) Oh, hey, Zach's back. Oh,
1: oh. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm terrible. I'm sorry.
2: Hey Brad, I have to ask, what's the Ninja Turtles thing that's behind you? It looks like it's a game. TV. It's going to be on your right that thing, right there. No, lower what's... right, lower, 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 lower there. That is the
3: box of the San Diego 2016. Here, yeah, this is good audio right here.
2: Yep.
0: Brad is showing us the thing.
3: Cool. Yeah, it's uh the the shredder and the Foot Clan. Oh, I can see it now, yeah. Based on the uh, comic book.
0: Are you sure it's Shredder, not Splinter?
2: (laughs) Yes. uh, I hope he is sure. (laughs) Pretty clear.
0: Clearly different. If you watch my live stream, you'll know what that joke's in reference to.
3: (laughs) See, look at that. Beautiful. Straight out of the comics right there.
1: Very cool.
2: Yeah. We also watch movies throughout the week in a segment we call What You Been Watching on Quarantine. Move it, will ya?
1: Oh, you letting him blow right by you.
2: Can you believe this guy? Come on, don't just ninja kick the damn rabbit Corinne. I'm gonna go ahead and step away because I know you're gonna talk about the fucking Blackwit list. How many episodes could you have possibly watched since the last time we talked? Who
0: are you talking to?
2: To you about the oh, blacklist.
0: Sorry, I, it, it froze there for a second. I didn't hear Weird. the first part of your question.
2: Um, I said, how many episodes could you have possibly have watched?
0: Oh, since just the last,
2: one. Oh, my God. So this is only going to be like <laughs> 10 minutes? Thank God.
0: <laughs> yeah, actually, it's 10 minutes on the dot. Perfect. Um, so are you going to mute yourself and take off your headphones and just chill out for 10 minutes, take a bathroom uh, break?
2: <laughs> no, I'm going to read the back of... This Guns for Hire, starring Veronica Lake and Ellen Ladd. I'm just going to go ahead and uh, read this. Okay. One of Hollywood's classic... <laughs> oh, I'm reading it out loud. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, so the latest episode of The Blacklist was kind of a mixed bag. It was like elements of both everything I love and hate about the show in one episode. And um, there are two really great moments toward the end. There's this one where Red is trying to, like, outmaneuver the task force because they're divided on an issue. Again? Yeah, I know, right? Um, (laughs) It happens all the time. Um, So, basically, Red is trying to get this shipment of guns because the whole thing about the episode that really irked me was that they were trying to, like, sit on a – like, trying to – What are you doing, Ryan?
2: (laughs) Oh, is my Mario playing bothering you? I'm sorry.
3: He's stealing my bit from last week. Yep.
0: <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. Um, I don't even remember what I was talking about. Oh, the basically the show gets on a soapbox and it starts talking about like proper gun ownership and gun rights and like how, what is it? Like straw man purchases or something where it's like a regular person buys a gun that they then can give to a felon because felons are not allowed to buy guns. Whatever. There's this whole thing, and yeah, they get on a soapbox about it, and I'm like, of all the shows to try to preach to me about gun laws and gun manufacturers, The Blacklist is the last one who should be doing it, because they glorify gun violence all the time. There have been multiple instances of Red, like, just walking around willy-nilly and giving guns to felons, because he doesn't care, and it's, yeah, I just, it's- such hypocrisy and honestly this show is so stupid
1: but but corinne maybe their main audience loves guns and they are trying to reach out to those people and say hey we kid on this show but seriously stop it
0: this is if they were really gonna try to do this thing they should have done this like in season one because now they've just built up this reputation of like yeah we're gonna come in guns blazing and just shoot a bunch of people no issues and They do it all the time. And so um, anyway, so Red is trying to get the shipment of guns because he thinks it's going to go to an immoral gun manufacturer and FBI because the shipment is legal is trying to protect it. And so Red makes Liz choose to tell him that the guns are, you know, like he basically says, like, tell me if the guns are in your truck. And so she decides to tell him that the guns are in her truck because they have like three, three shipments and there are two decoys. One's the real thing. And so, he hits her convoy, and they f- they all find out that the guns were not in Liz's convoy, and then Harold, who's played by Harry Lennox, who you might know from uh, Man of Steel, walks away all badass, and he's like, is this is a pleasure doing business with you, Raymond Reddington. So, I was like, yeah! He finally got to do something, because he, like, never gets to do anything on the show. And then at the end, there's this, like, reveal, and I don't want to spoil things, because... One Ryan doesn't care, and two Brad's probably gonna watch it, but um basically, there was this reveal that re- like there was information that was given two episodes earlier that I kind of forgot about, and so then, when they were like, "Yes, Liz is responsible for this thing, and I was like, "Oh, she is I totally forgot oh, that's right. She did hire that private eye two episodes back, kind of forgot what
2: a piece of crap." <laughs>
0: But, yeah, it was, it had moments of Liz and Red having nice chemistry, and they have this little nice moment at the end where they're like, we're on the same side, finally. And I'm like, oh, thank God. And then, of course, that's when the reveal happens, and Red's like, "Oh, she's on my bad side again. And I'm like, oh, great, here we go. And it's, <sighs> but hey, it's something to do, right? Yeah. Um, so... I assume you guys want to hear about the three other the three other movies I watched this week. Yeah. Well, actually, no. Sorry, one of them is a, a TV series. So I did watch the Vision of Escaflowne, which I talked about last week. Um, it's a great series. I liked it about as much as I did Trigun, but I think it has slightly different strengths and weaknesses. So Trigun is very, it's it's especially the first half is very procedural. They're just kind of standalone episodes standalone adventures. The cast is very threadbare. It's basically just Vash, Millie, Meryl, and then occasionally Wolfwood will come in, um, at least as far as the protagonist. They do have some recurring antagonists, but they're not in it that much either. But then you have Vision of Escaflone, and there's like 10 characters who pop up in at least 80% of the episodes, and it's it's a It's not, like, the biggest cast I've ever seen in an anime, because the anime is only 26 episodes long. Um, But it does kind of get weighted a little bit. Not too bad, though. Um, But I think the nice thing is, like, because you have more people, that creates more drama, both of the melodramatic, annoying kind and of the good, like, human heart in conflict with itself kind. And, um, yeah, I really liked it. The penultimate episode was great. Ended on this wonderful twins, note, twins, twins, and then the okay. What is happening? So I can now lay. <laughs> Sorry, Kellen was really loud. Um. So then the finale happened, and I was just. I don't know if any of you guys have ever seen Inuyasha, but it very much reminded, the whole series reminded me of Inuyasha in some respects, but the finale reminded me a lot of the finale of Inuyasha, where they try to have this, like, really deep, like, philosophical, metaphysical conversation while there's, like, this big battle going on, and it kind of didn't make sense, and it was just, I don't know, like, the main... Bad guy gets killed, and then he comes back as like a ghost, and then he has this like whole brouhaha about free will and destiny and fate and shit. And I was just like, okay, can they just like win the war at this point? And she goes back to her own world, and then that—that's basically what happens. So I was like, I don't know why we needed the whole like thesis about philosophy. It ended the same way, anyway. So it's a good show. It's a good series. Um, A lot of the episodes are on YouTube if you want to watch it. Vision of Escaflowne, um, anime from the 90s. It's great. I did not get around to watching the movie, but I plan to do that. So hopefully I get to tell you about that next time. So then the two movies I watched this week, uh, the first was True Grit. Got to watch that with a friend over FaceTime. And True Grit, this is the original True Grit with uh, John Wayne and... uh, uh, oh, I forget Kim Darby and everybody, and it's a great movie. I, my family watches it all the time. We quote okay. it constantly. I mean, it's right up there with The Princess Bride in terms of quotability. Just like every like fifth line, I was like, "Yeah, I know that one too." Oh yeah, we say that one all the time. And uh, so, fun movie, great movie. Um, my friend had never seen it, so it was like, "Hey, you get to actually." Watch a good movie for once instead of garbage.
1: Corinne, <laughs> what do you think of Corinne? Um, what do you think? And uh,
0: cut out. I don't know what she said.
1: What do you think of the 2010? I've never, through, I've through never brain.
0: seen that actually.
1: It, uh, it's, it's, uh, a, it's much closer to Portis's novel. Um, but I, but like, if you're comparing the two, like the Wayne one's a little bit more. Uh, like like quotable or like it or it's more fun, I guess. Quote unquote. Uh, the uh, the Coen Brothers one is quotable, but it's also a Coen Brothers movie. So,
2: you so can, with a killer opening shot,
1: <laughs> killer opening shot. Lots of fun quotes like "You're not the beef" and other wonderful gems like that. So yeah,
2: you should watch it before we do the film explosion twenty ten.
1: Ooh, it's it's, it's streaming fun. somewhere. It, I believe if it's not streaming. Uh, it should be available for a small rental on Amazon.
0: So. I don't rent things from Amazon.
1: Then I'll rent it for you. How about that?
0: Okay. I don't know how that's going to help me, but alright. All right. Uh, anyway, so that's a great movie. And then the other thing I watched uh, that I'll just mention briefly because I'm sure none of you care. Uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber, I, I don't know if he like launched his YouTube channel this weekend or something, but he was doing some kind of like special fundraiser and they uh they had the two i think it's 2011 filmed version of the stage show streaming for free on his youtube channel
1: of what show
0: uh the one they did at the royal albert hall okay uh, it's sierra bogus and i think you say his name remain kareem they are my favorite, Phantom and Christine pairing. Not only individually, but together because they have fantastic chemistry. Uh-huh. And that production is huge. Um, they had about like seventy people on stage during the masquerade scene. So it's nice. It's like you're able to have this. It's it's basically like if you've never seen the stage show, you should really check this out because this is like the stage show, but with like the biggest budget possible and. It's even better than, I would argue, better than going and seeing it live because the cameras allow you to be way closer to the actors than you could ever be in real life. So you get to really appreciate like their facial expressions and their costuming and makeup and hair and everything like that. So all these little details that you would miss from a live performance, you get to appreciate on film. And uh, they had a nice uh, encore at the very end where um, they brought out a lot of people who had played the Phantom and they brought, um, crap, I think her name is Sarah Brighton who originated the role of Christine on Broadway. And they did this nice, like five part music of the night, Phantom of the Opera songs. So it was really nice. Nice. I've seen it before, obviously. And I actually have the album that they, so they record, they recorded that not only for film, but also for an album. And I have the album on my iTunes. So.
2: Nice. I'm a fan of the Phantom.
0: Well, you should check it out if you've never seen it. Yeah, well. So that's Sounds what like I've been watching, watching this week.
2: <laughs> Zach, what'd you watch this week?
1: I've watched a lot of things. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Uh, after we recorded, I um, decided to kick back to some Coen brothers. So I rewatched Blood Simple and Raising Arizona, both really fine films. Uh, Blood Simple, uh, uh, Blood Simple is one I don't go back to a lot, but I should because it's a tight ninety-six minutes. Get at Walsh in there. Got early Francis McDormand. Got a fun little uh, love triangle going on, and some brutal murders, and some wonderful imagery it's it's wonderful it's a criterion i need to get and raising arizona is still hilarious um it's actually it's pretty amazing that that movie was able to be made the way it was because one the ending is a little like it's a dream sequence and a little unconventional to end your movie on but like when you have that much insanity going on throughout the course of the movie with um, Cage's antics and uh, John Goodman and uh, William Forsythe running Who, around. Who? What?
2: Where? That's a pretty great Nicholas Cage.
1: Uh, Ryan, I, I meant to ask. I, you. Yeah,
2: I, I piss fire. It's pretty cool. <laughs> Ryan,
1: when 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 uh, when people escape from jail, do they tell you we released ourselves of our own recognizance and that they felt like the institution no longer had anything to offer? <laughs>
2: uh, all the time.
1: Yeah, all the time. Yeah. Yeah, and also I realize, and I have to, I have to keep watching through the rest of the Coens. But like every time I watch John Goodman with the Coens, with the exception of probably inside Lewin Davis, every time he's in one of their movies, they give him impossible superhuman strength, and it's freaking wonderful. So he's able to just lift people effortlessly. It's it's glorious. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first time he does it is in *Raising Arizona*, where he's yeah, just lifting Nicholas Cage up like it's not a, a big deal man. whatsoever.
3: <laughs> hey guys. do, do you do you want to hear my Nicholas Cage impression?
2: <laughs>
3: alright, alright, give me a second, here it goes. Alright. <laughs> uh, let's get my voice ready here.
2: What, what is that? What is that? What is it? Oh no, not the beast! Not the
1: beast! Ah! Oh, my eyes! eyes! Ah! Ah! <laughs>
2: oh man. <laughs> Man, are you okay? You got really hoarse there.
3: Yeah, it was really hard to do that. It was, that was good, though, right? That's Ooh. amazing.
0: Who,
1: what, where, bees? Um.
0: You know, I I have to question your dialogue, though, Brad, because if the if there are bees flying around, why would you waste time opening your mouth so that bees can potentially fly in? It's as if
1: it, the bees aren't actually there.
3: <laughs> the character's stupid. Like, that's how I was playing it.
0: So. Oh, okay.
3: I'm I'm just glad to hear that it's the character, not you. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's I was I was quoting from a movie. I'm not just, I'm just not reciting original Nicolas Cage dialogue.
2: And that's so spot on. It's a good thing you told us exactly what was happening in the scene because I couldn't see what was happening.
3: Right, and neither so, could anyone at home so. so
2: yeah so it's good that you described what was happening to you <laughs> while it was happening to you in that scene as Nicolas Cage.
3: Exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably, I'm probably up for an Oscar this year, right?
2: Yeah. Hopefully. Oh yeah. I mean, there's not very much competition this year, so you should be good to go.
1: <laughs> not even Nicholas Cage as Nicolas Cage can do. <laughs> he's in Colorado space. Brad just did a repeat of his line, but he's going to win. Um, and, uh, I rewatched a lot of mystery science theater 3000 over the week. So a lot of the early Joel years, like kind of going in order. Cause they're all on YouTube. Um, but, uh, favorite ones probably, probably, uh, first spaceship on Venus because that, that movie is it's it's a weird, like, article of like a, a, a space movie we'd probably see today, but just done terribly. Um, and, uh, and then King Dinosaur is also fun too. Um, and then, um uh, I watched two Cary Grant movies, nice, um, this week. First one is My Favorite Wife, which I hadn't seen. The other one I hadn't seen either. Uh, My wife. My my, my favorite wife. Um, In it, Borat uh, is having to declare his wife legally dead. No. Um, No, it's uh, Cary Grant and Irene Dunn. um, Same pairing as Awful Truth. Uh, Cary Grant plays a guy who has to, uh, who files uh, a motion to the court to declare his wife dead after she's been seen for five years after a shifting. Uh, played by Gail Patrick, and then Irene Dunn is discovered to be a lie and the, the comedy thus ensues. His life back end. Uh, I was texting Ryan kind of throughout because, one, Randolph Scott, who um, Ryan uh, reminded me lived with Cary Grant for, for years, um, or they, I don't know if it was years, but just they, lived, they were really good friends. He's great in the movie as the other man in Irene Dunn's life because she was stranded with him on an island for five years, I think it is. Um, and uh so uh uh and then also uh, uh Irene Dunn's performance is amazing in this movie. There's a scene near the end where she's talking to her children who don't who she thinks don't know who she is, and it's one of the most heartbreaking things I've ever seen Irene Dunn do. It just made me cry. Um so but yeah um and then uh the other one i watched was big brown eyes uh which ryan recommended to me right after i finished my favorite wife and uh it made me realize that i've been watching a lot of ral walsh movies for whatever reason like just somehow i've just been just pulling them off the shelf because i watched college swing horn blows at midnight uh and um uh, i've had artists and models on deck but um, big Brown Eyes. Um, I, I know Ryan's talked about it before, but it's a really good detective movie. Um, it starts off as a comedy and then just delves into a very dark detective mystery. Um, what I found amazing is that it, although it doesn't always pull it off in my mind, the comedy and the drama are balanced surprisingly well. Like there's only a couple moments where I didn't feel like it fully worked. Um, and Joan Bennett is fantastic in the movie. And Ryan was texting me. He's like, it's kind of a precursor to His Girl Friday when you watch it. I'm like, I totally see that because she's got the same grit and determination as Rosalind Russell in His Girl Friday. And um, and Cary Grant's showing early signs of what we'd see in The Awful Truth three years later. So it's it's a great movie. And it made me realize that, like, Raul Walsh is a director that I, I appreciate for several different genres because he's done a lot of big gangster movies like White Heat, The Roaring Twenties, uh, high Sierra, but he's one that I haven't really dived into. So like I'm high, highly considering that to be the next podcast subject after Shamley's done. Um, it would be another case of where I'd be reviewing over 50 films, but um, Hey, uh, nothing better than a challenge, right?
0: Wait, who are you doing?
1: Ral Walsh. But, but uh, my audio- I thought
0: you said you were going to do, uh, what's that guy who played Mr. Rochester?
1: Orson Welles?
0: Yeah, Orson Welles. Oh, Wells. yeah, yeah.
1: Well, he and John Huston were the two that I was battling with, but after the conversation Ryan and I had and looking through Walsh's history, it'd be really interesting to do a director who's not really well known today. Because, like, it's easy to talk. It, it would be fun to talk about Wells or Huston, but I would like the challenge of tackling somebody like Rao Walsh, who, unless you watch his films, you don't know who he is. Like, it. If you've seen White Heat, you get a good example of Rao Walsh as a director. Otherwise, you wouldn't know you wouldn't know his traits. Like he has a good ability to create scale out of intimate moments. So even though you're focused on a character, it feels bigger in the background. Um, Andy, perhaps
0: was his- what you should do is you should do a series on Orson Welles' filmography as an actor. And you could discuss how potentially he picked up some stuff that he later used in his career as a director.
1: Well, part of I that... I just was... want to
0: talk about Jane Eyre, okay?
1: Oh, so... so I'll the, just join uh, you
0: for is, that episode.
1: Uh, oh, so this is about you, I see. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> I mean, Orson Welles is a very important person in film history as an actor and a director, so I've, I, me personally, I feel like he's deserving of it, but...
1: I, th- I feel it's he is, your thing.
0: It's your thing.
1: <laughs> I feel he is too. And he's one I want to do because I know that the first episode would not be about a film. It would be about his War of the Worlds broadcast because that's what got him to Hollywood. Um, and also to talk about his work with the Federal Theater Project, which employed a lot of out, out- of work actors during the Depression. Um, and uh, and you could but-
0: talk about that film that you put on your 2009 film explosion.
1: 2000- oh, yeah. me and Orson Welles. Yes, I could talk yeah, that about that one. Christian McKay's fine performance. I can talk about RKO 281 with Leah Schreiber as Orson Welles. That's an interesting performance. Um, and then the last thing that I saw this week was, um, I, I guess in a catch-up with 2019 titles I missed, I watched The Nightingale. Um, it's Jennifer Kent's second film. She did The Babadook uh, back in 2015. I'm not remembering the year The Duke came out. Um, but right. The Nightingale is um it is not a happy film by any stretch of the imagination so if you're gonna watch this movie just be prepared to be depressed for about two hours and 16 minutes because that's the runtime that being said it's an amazing film it's about an irish convict who is um serving out a um sentence as a still
2: in potatoes
1: uh, wow okay um Cause see the movie's kind of about how everybody's treating everybody terribly because of their ethnicities. It's, it's, it's a big, it's a big depressing movie. But um, anyway, she's serving a sentence for a British officer. She, uh, she, her husband and her baby are killed when she is raped and she seeks revenge in the middle of Australia um, uh, with the help of a, um, australian native and part of the story also deals with the fact that his people have basically been subjugated by britain so it's a lot about colonialism and how colonialism sucks um it's it's very dark it's very disturbing it's very slow it's also very horrific i recommend it with the caveat that uh because it doesn't relent whatsoever. You are going to feel like shit right afterwards. It's a great movie, but you are going to feel like shit right afterwards. Um, and the, the lead performance is fantastic. Um, I cannot remember her name. Oh, uh, Aisling Franciosi. She's, um, uh, uh, she's Italian Irish, I believe. Um, so yeah. Um, and Sam, Sam Claflin, who I'm not fully aware of. Um, is uh plays the villain in the movie and he is probably the scariest person I've seen in a movie from the from 2019 I can't I'm trying to think of one from my film Explosion list that was scarier and it it might be honestly Lupita Nyong'o playing the other version of herself but uh but yeah uh the Nightingale Ryan I think I think you'll be able to watch it and um appreciate it but as I said to you it is depressing (laughs) It's, it's yeah, I, think
2: it, I think it's on Amazon Prime this month.
1: I I had to rent it off of Amazon, so maybe it's going to come to Prime. Um,
2: yeah, I, I, maybe I'm. It might be a different movie I wanted to watch, but I think I said that. But I do want to watch. I like Jennifer Kent a lot. Her films yeah. are interesting. So
1: she she uh, the horror sequences that she has in the movie, which aren't really in the first thirty minutes where truly terrifying shit happens. The horror sequences are very um, uh, artistic. Um, but not uh Ari Aster artistic so you're not dealing with a midsummer situation you're kind of dealing So it's with... not boring No it's 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 interesting visually it's kind of like watching Cowl. she's in the middle of like dreams or flashes of the people she's encountered and who have caused her pain and it's it's they're not like they're not the drawn out parts of the movie the drawn out parts are like the drama is that Evie
2: uh Kelly Kellen adopted a pound puppy from Target today, and he named him Loki.
0: Ah.
1: Is that pound puppy going to portray his brother Thor? (laughs) And yeah, that's all I watched this week.
2: Uh, James, what did you watch this week? (laughs) Oh, hey, everybody. I'm James, and I
3: watched probably some... Emotional stuff.
0: You sounded more like Henry.
3: (laughs) Everybody, I'm in Henry from New York here.
2: And uh, I watched a bunch of French stuff.
3: I watched some obscure stuff that you'll never watch. (laughs) Let me tell you, French
1: films, great.
3: (laughs) Wonderful.
0: I'm not going to even attempt a Henry impression. Space Jam, Space Jam,
3: Space Jam. There you go. Space Jam's the best movie ever.
0: Watch
3: out! Uh, yeah, I didn't watch any of this week, so I'm just going to say that if you go to bestbuy.com right now, all those friggin' Pixar steel books I bought, and then got a discount on, because they went on sale like a week later, they've gone on sale again. Nice. So you can get, like, Toy Story 3 for eight bucks. steelbook. Yeah. What? Art, cars, eight bucks. Finding Nemo, eight bucks, or ten bucks. Jesus.
2: Uh, I might Toy Story have to, 2, ten bucks. Might have to make, uh, Trip to the curbside pickup this week.
3: Yeah, order online, have them walk it out to your car. Yeah, do you think we I can ask do. for another discount? It's
2: <laughs> <laughs> still you said within this my was window. S-I?
3: Yeah, hmm. I, I like uh, my. You know, when you buy it, you have uh, like thirty days or sixty days, depending on what like elite uh, plus member you are. So I had till like April twenty ninth to return them. Nice. So I'm like. Do I already called him up once to get him to uh, price match. So I'm like, should I do it again?
2: Sure, they won't remember. Yeah.
3: Do he it. i have a call log.
2: Who cares? Do it. And the then guy on the phone, ca- when I
3: did it the first time, seemed like, he was like, all right, I'm done with the one. And then I had to tell him that he had like eight or nine more to do. And he's like, <laughs> all right, I need to verify a few things. Do it. So do anyway, it. Be yeah. you that guy. I, I didn't watch any of this week. I just uh I worked on my uh my Instagram account for Radley TMNT. Nice. That on Instagram. Okay. That's all I got. Nice.
2: Picture um, the turtle stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, keep up the good work. You can see the studio behind you.
3: Yes, this is where it all happens. That's where the magic happens.
0: What is that that you're taking photos of or whatever? That back there. <laughs> yeah.
3: Uh, those right now are. From the same line i showed earlier they're just turtle figures the one those ones back there are black and white like the comics
0: because from here it kind of looks like stormtroopers
3: yeah yeah they're black and white but they're they're actually turtles Uh, i can go get them
0: no it's okay no one cares
3: (laughs) (laughs) it's like not a good visual thing to do we're doing an audio podcast but yeah, and then there's a brick black backdrop and everything.
0: So wait, how, if they're black and white, how do you tell which turtle is which? By the weapons?
3: By the weapons, yeah. See, when they made the original comic book, they did it as cheap as possible. So they only printed in black and white. Um, and then Yeah, uh, Corinne,
2: if you want to watch a really... Uh, I wasn't a big fan of the toys that made us the first season, but I freaking love the Ninja Turtles episode because it felt like a real episode... Of, and they had an interesting story to tell about the falling out between the two creators. Um, and it tells you the the whole uh, evolution of the turtles and why they had colors and things like that. It's a really great episode. And I mean, I a- guess I
0: don't get why they wouldn't just give them slightly different designs. Like, I get they're all turtles, but why couldn't one be taller, one be shorter, thinner, fatter, whatever? It's just different dimensions or something to tell them apart other than... The bandanas and the weapons.
3: Because the creators were fucking around when they came up with this thing and <laughs> yeah. they this, uh this
1: supposed to be a parody.
3: <laughs> they uh, they just uh drew uh like they created Michelangelo um first as the turtle that we know, like that design. And then uh yeah, they were they were amateur comic book artists, so they just duplicated him three more times as a joke. And, uh, it wasn't until the Michael Bay one that they yeah, kind of branched out and made different designs. So, yeah. yeah, if you want to know more about the Ninja Turtles origins, you can also watch the, uh, turtle power documentary. Yes. Which on DVD. Is
1: or presumably
0: listen to your commentary, right?
3: Yeah. But yeah, the documentary right. will have more <laughs> complete insight <laughs> and visuals. So
0: I don't know if it will. Cause I mean, you're the turtle expert.
3: I was interviewed for that turtle power documentary and they didn't use my thing, so.
0: Oh, that sucks. Ooh.
3: Yeah. What can you do? I, I didn't have a great sound bite. I was like, you know, it was just like, why are the turtles special to you? And I had probably the same answer that everyone else had, so, you know, I should have made something up cool, like,
1: yeah, uh, my dad was killed
3: in Vietnam, so <laughs> I had to... <laughs> I got through the hard times by collecting Ninja Turtles, and I collected them all, and I took off the legs of each one just to to honor him.
1: Hey, Ryan, that's why yep. I like Jack Benny, because my dad died in Vietnam.
2: <laughs> I knew it.
1: That's not my real dad that you've been saying hi to all these years.
2: All right. Uh, I watched a few things. Um, so oh, start- God. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, star Wars has been coming out on 4k and, um, this week I picked up, uh, the force awakens and that movie is maybe one of the best 4k's I've ever seen. Uh, the, the colors when, especially at the end when Kylo and Ray are fighting the, the blue and the red from the lightsabers. Oh my gosh. It's way more rich. It's way more dark. Um, and even when, uh, Han confronts Kylo At the Star Killer base, you can see way more of the background. The reds are way more pronounced, and uh, I still cried when Han Solo died, and that piece of crap Kylo Ren. Um, Yep, so that movie's awesome, and then in 4K, it's even better. The sound design is awesome, and uh, yeah, And, and just the overall appearance of the film. It's great. It's a it's a really great movie. Uh, I'm
1: surprised they didn't release that in 4K uh, around the time of Last Jedi. So,
2: well, you I mean, Star Wars has or a The Rise of
0: Skywalker.
2: Well, I mean, Star Wars has a thing where usually lately it's going to be always the collections, and they're always going to release them at once.
1: Oh, gotcha, gotcha. We we'll probably
0: got too close to camera. Okay. You know not the camera. You can't I have no idea what he's know, talking I about. Uh, he's <laughs>
2: talking about someone getting really close to the camera. Um, he's watching something on YouTube. Um, so, Kellen and I have continued to watch Indiana Jones, and it also is, the last one we had to watch is also part of my Kate watch, which is Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> um, that's a way overreaction, Corinne. The movie's actually not that bad. Um, it It's really fun. Uh, I mean, it doesn't, it lacks the urgency of the other Indiana Jones movies. Um, But I, you know, I, the CGI at the monkey part didn't bother me as much this time. And you find out what that part was made for, because when Callan was watching it, he started jumping all over the couch and pretending he was mutt. So I guess that part works, but there's still some great, there's still some great moments in it. Um, You know, I, I love the introduction of Indiana in the movie. Uh Kate Blanchett is pretty fun in it. She plays a Ukrainian bad guy. Um and then she gets like evaporated by aliens or something. I don't know.
1: Interdimensional beings, Ryan.
2: Yeah. <laughs> John Hurt told us clearly. <laughs> the end though, the special effects at the end are still really great. Um yeah. I think what is that movie 10 11 years old
0: now?
1: Oh, it's 11, uh, yeah.
0: 11 yeah. years old. 2008.
2: But no, I it's s-
1: I still love the fire or the when the ants uh, drag that guy into the hole.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: That's a great moment.
2: There's fun parts. I, you know, I love the, the fight between the greasers and the jocks at the malt shop. Mm-hmm. And there's some great uh, when Mutt's talking to Indy at that point and he keeps on stealing stuff off the waitress's uh, tray and in Indiana keeps on putting it back on. It's, yeah. it's awesome. Huh. Um, there's, it's, there's still fun things to be had in that movie.
1: I, people give this moment crap. But I like when uh, Mutt's going to take the hat and Indiana Jones just goes, nope, not fucking yep. today.
2: <laughs> I think that's in the director's cut is nope, not fucking today. Because in the movie, he just picks it up and smiles at him. So
1: Yeah, exactly. In my director's cut, he says, mm. no fucking way, pussy. And he just shoves Shia LaBeouf down.
2: <laughs> nice. Uh, but no, I, I still think it's a fun movie. Uh, there's fun to be had. And I, I think you can... Indiana Jones is just a fun character regardless. Uh, and I'll see, I'll see anything he's in.
0: Side note that, uh, I feel like plays in well to a quote from this week's movie. Why don't I ever dream of Harrison Ford? I do. The best quote of that movie, by the way.
2: (laughs) Uh, and also in, uh, Kate watched this week. I rewatched, uh, the gift, which, uh, I was streamed on CBS all access because it was an HD and that film needs to be cleaned up <laughs> so many scratches and pops in it. I go, wow. Mm. Really? So, yeah. Um, and I, I, didn't, uh, get CBS all access. My father-in-law gave me his password. So I'm going to start, uh, digging into discovery and Picard, um, more so. Cause I saw, I think three episodes of Picard and now I'm going to watch the rest of them. Um, so yeah. Ooh. Uh, So The Gift, anyways, is uh, a screenplay by Billy Bob Thornton, directed by the great Sam Raimi. And uh, in it, Kate Blanchett plays the lady who reads cards.
0: Did you just say screenplay by Billy Bob Thornton? uh, Yeah. yeah.
1: He was a screenwriter and director before he was really, like, primarily an actor. That's his whole thing from the 90s.
2: Yeah. Oh,
0: really? I didn't know that. Hey, Zach, did
2: he get nominated for Sling Blade for screenplay?
1: He won for, screen, for Sling Blade.
2: Thank you. Uh, yeah. yeah, so, yeah, you know, he's a great screenwriter. Um, I, I just couldn't well, remember. He's a
0: terrible voice actor, and you can tell him I said that. Whoa. Wow. Wow. That's, you
1: can't blame him for his own voice. That's me. <laughs> you can do that with me. You can't do that with Billy Bob. No, <laughs> I won't allow it. I've
0: All so- for- never been in Princess Mononoke. <laughs> so flat.
2: <laughs> yeah, take that, Billy Bob. He's- um, go
0: back to writing. Yeah. That is a recording studio. <laughs> I'd love them to go
1: back to writing. Are you kidding me? <laughs>
2: um, the gift is, so Kate Blanchett reads cards, so she has a, somewhat of a psychic ability. Um, and in the film, Gray Kinnear, Katie Holmes, Giovanni Ribsby, and Keanu Reeves. Uh, Earl, and, and Kate Blanchett plays a widow. Her husband died in an accident in a factory that exploded. Yeah. And, and, and uh, <laughs> And Hilary Swank is also in this film. The, the cast is amazing. Um, Rosemary Harris is in it. Um, the classic Oldsmobile uh, from Evil Dead is also in it. And uh, and it's an interesting dynamic because Keanu Reeves is... Sometimes you watch Keanu Reeves and he seems really one-note. Uh, but in this movie, he plays an abusive uh, husband to Hilary Swank. And he's really mean and he's, uh, he's amazing in the movie. So anyways... Um, Katie Holmes character is turns up missing and she's kind of the town uh, floozy and she's having an affair with um, Gary Cole, who plays the district attorney and also with Keanu Reeves. And she's supposed to be marrying Greg Kinnear, who's a principal at uh Cape Blanchett's kids school. And when she turns up missing um, Kate Blanchett gets a vision that she's dead. And so the police go to her and the sheriff played by JK Simmons is, uh, interviews her and they end up finding Katie Holmes's body in Keanu Reeves's, uh, pond. So he gets arrested and, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of a horror movie, uh, more of a drama about loss and grief and also being in abusive relationships. And, uh, Giovanni Risby has this amazing scene in it where he's, uh, he's an emotionally damaged character and he keeps on talking about why he thinks about his dad a certain way. And, um, there's a huge falling out. I don't want to spoil the movie cause you should really, you should really watch it. Um, and he's fantastic in it. Um, and, and it deals with horror and, but the real horror is how people treat each other and the abuses that they suffer. And Sam Rainey uh, does a lot what he did with a simple plan where he doesn't make it too in your face. Like he does with his action stuff. Uh, not in a bad way, I mean, his action stuff's incredible,
1: He lets but, the cameras sit in that one
2: exactly and but he there's some great moments like there's a a scene where Kate Blanchett's character starts figuring out that katie holmes's uh character's body is in a, the water, and there's a faucet dripping and it zooms in every drip drip and then it cuts back to uh Kate blanchett and it zooms in on her face every drip and it's back and forth. Uh, really cool stuff. And he's such a great filmmaker that it's, um, I'm excited to see what he does with Doctor Strange. So you should check is, out the gift.
3: Is Katie Holmes's corpse the
2: gift? <laughs> no, it's her nude in the movie. That's your no. gift.
1: Have we been unfair to Giovanni Ravisi, by the way?
2: Uh, he's in an amazing society. actor. He's yeah. <laughs>
1: he's
2: He's an amazing actor.
1: I know. It feels like we've been unfair to him. Like he's been good in things and we just don't treat him well in return.
2: Jerks, uh, And the last thing I watched is uh, Police Squad came out on Blu-ray, which is a precursor to the Naked Gun movies. Mm-hmm. And it's, it stars Leslie Nielsen, and he plays Frank Drebin in it as well. Uh, and if so here's the, the caveat always with these. If you don't like the Naked Guns or Airplanes, you're not going to like Zucker Brothers TV. But if you like this stuff, then it is probably the smartest, uh, funniest comedies you'll watch in a long time. Each episode is about 30 minutes long um, and it has the same music to the naked gun uh, to open it. And uh, every episode opens with a special guest star. And so it'll be like Robert Goulet or William Shatner. And when it, when they introduce him, they'll say guest starring William Shatner. And then he gets shot at in a, in a restaurant and he ducks and then he pops back up and drinks his wine and dies from poison so every like celebrity <laughs> guest star dies in the credits <laughs> in the very first episode. I can't remember who the guest star is, but his body's just thrown out of a moving car and he just rolls across the street. Um, and uh, Leslie Nielsen's character is so funny. Every time he's driving a car and he stops, he hits a, a mailbox or a trash can. <laughs> um, and there's this, there's one episode where uh, him and his partner go in and they're being interviewed by this lady who's doing donations to a charity. And she says, I'll take your coat. And so when they give him their coat, she puts it in the charity box. And when they leave her apartment, they only have their shirts left. They don't have any pants or anything. And the next scene, uh, they're walking with jackets on and they have uh price tags on them. So they went and bought stuff. It's so stupid, but it's so freaking brilliant. And, uh, I, uh, in the first episode, this guy gets killed and his names, uh, twice. And I, I took down this quote because it's amazing. And, uh, Leslie Nelson says, uh, we're sorry to bother you a time like this, miss twice. We would have come earlier, but your husband wasn't dead then. It's, just, <laughs> it's so deadpan, and it's, it's, the show is brilliant. Um, I think the blu-ray is only $17 and it's only six episodes but the cool thing is they have four commentaries on it, and there's an interview with Leslie Nilsen. Um So it's totally worth it. I think it's almost three hours of just batshit, dumb, crazy, awesome comedy. Um, it's, I it's going
1: in the cart. It's going in the cart. I need to get the Naked Gun movies on Blu-ray, too.
2: Oh, yeah. It, it, I mean, it's just – you have to pay attention because it's a show you have to pay attention to because the jokes are so um, subtle but so amazing. It's It's yeah. not – hey, uh, you know, like scary movie-style jokes. It's stuff that is always happening in the background. Um, And I'll end it on this. So every episode, they say, tonight's case, the revenge plot or whatever. But the title card they put up is a totally different title. (laughs) Um, And at the end of every episode, they do a freeze frame, but it's not like a a pick photograph. It's, yeah, them, like Corinne, you can't see it, but literally them just stopping... In like mid laugh so they're going Ha-ha! and then they stop laughing and in this one episode they do that, and then the guy they arrested is looking at every like police officer in the police squad <laughs> and they're not moving and he's trying to escape while they're not moving at all it's it's ridiculous it's awesome um, he should really pick up police squad
0: so wait there's a guy in it who's named twice
2: yeah. Please so so, tell me
0: they do a you-only-kill-twice joke or something so like that. So
2: there is a, maybe a <laughs> five-minute-long scene of he was shot... the So twice was shot. No, he's only shot once. No, once is the guy who owns the convenience store. It's like... like a like guy who's on twice. first kind of thing? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but why these movies always work is because Leslie Nielsen delivers it straight. Yep. And, and there's no emphasizing the jokes or anything. And that's why the Zucker brothers work really well. Um, I mean, there's a scene where they're trying to recreate this murder. And so he just keeps on having different policemen be the victim and they keep on getting shot and killed. And the next scene is when he's trying to figure it out and behind him, there's just a pile of dead bodies. It's just stupid. And it's awesome.
1: It's uh, I believe the title, like, cause I've never seen the show, but I, I know a little bit about it for naked gun purposes. And it's originally it was called police squad in color. And the yeah. joke in color was that when you used to have a show like that in the 60s, you'd have to exemplify that it was in color. Yeah, At this yeah, that's... Point, it was irrelevant.
2: <laughs> I actually think it's part of the title, because uh, the D- the Blu-ray cover says that, too. It says, Please Squad in Color. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's it's brilliant. It's, I it's yeah, I recommend it very much so.
1: That's
2: um, where he, he is. He just wanted to make everybody else feel stupid and Wait, Corinne's wearing them, too. So we got the two smart people.
1: I turned off my video, but I technically wear glasses.
2: That is true. So I'm the only idiot in this group. (laughs) Um, This week on Real Nerds Podcast, we revisited a classic. We revisited Brad's most favorite, cherished movie, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, 1990. Comic-Con exclusive. Uh,
0: that's the Nunchucks. A- that's uh, Don Donatel- No, I don't know.
2: Ain't
3: wrong. wrong. It's
0: uh, Leonardo.
3: Ain't wrong.
1: Michelangelo.
0: I don't know then.
3: Circle uh, gets the square.
2: <laughs> uh, so before we get into it, because this movie means so much to Brad, um, I thought it'd be really fun to actually ask Brad why this movie meant so much to you. When did you discover the Ninja Turtles? And just take us back to young Brad in the picture with the kitty cat and how much he loved Ninja Turtles.
0: (laughs) I I, I think you're wrong, Ryan. Brad has always been old. Yeah. He's like a primordial being.
2: He always has been and always will be.
0: (laughs) Or a Benjamin Button. He was born an old man. (laughs) He'll never die Mm
3: -hmm. and forever shall be. What's the question?
2: Uh, so, Brad, tell us how you got into Ninja Turtles and why you love this movie so much.
3: Uh, yeah, I don't really remember when I got into Turtles. It's just kind of always been there. Um, they were... Maybe that's
2: why they didn't use your soundbite.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I remember just uh, watching the cartoon on TV as a kid. And then, uh, you know, my parents were telling me, like, hey, there's a movie of this coming out. And I'm like, oh, of course, we got to go see it. And then just watching it and then... um you know, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't until like high school that I had an assignment to do a scene for theater class. I was like, Huh, what should I act as? 'Cause I you know I don't read plays. Um <laughs> so I was like, I oh, know, I'll pick uh, this movie that I love and then I rewatched it as a as a teenager and I was like, This movie's awesome. Um I did the scene uh where Casey and Raphael fight. It's a good scene. Meet up and fight. Yeah. The, the There's teacher the Humphrey
2: did Bogart know- joke in that one.
3: Yeah, uh the teacher didn't appreciate it that much.
2: <laughs> Mr. Klug?
3: Yeah, Mr. Klug. He didn't <laughs> like my predator scene either, so uh,
2: he doesn't know what's good for him.
3: Then I started okay, doing Klug. plays. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. It's just uh, there's something about, you know, the the world that just has all these mutants and mutations and weirdness and humor and uh some heart to it is
2: just cool. I, I, mm-hmm. I and this yeah. is the
0: part where you start welling up with tears.
2: So what, uh, what specifically connected with you with the the series, Brad? There there had to been some poll that you can remember. Like, I can pinpoint the moment I fell in love with Spider-Man. Yeah. But there has to be something that you say, this is why I love this.
3: I, I, narratively, I, I don't know what to tell you. I don't think there is. It's just the the whole aesthetic and the characters and um the collecting, that's like what's got me. It's not really like a there's no death of Gwen Stacy moment Mm. for me. I mean there are there are cool moments in Turtles where like uh you know they fight Shredder on the rooftop and they blow him up. Uh or when he comes back and uh Leonardo faces faces off against him alone and cuts his head off. Like those are cool moments.
2: Yeah Um, I mean you put that moment um hero headquarters asked what your favorite moment in comics were uh, on facebook the other day and you put that moment in there and the guy who runs the shop responded saying how great that moment was yeah and and he didn't respond to everybody's he responded to mine and to yours i saw yeah um and uh so that must be a moment that resonates with teenage mutant ninja turtles fans as well
3: well he recognizes the real nerds but yeah i just remember collecting those comics and getting to issue 10 and like opening up and like reading it and you know that issue also has the scene in this movie where uh, the antique shop burns down, and Casey shows up uh, to fight the F- uh, Foot Clan, but uh, uh, yeah, you're just flipping along, and then the- suddenly there's this two-page spread of the Shredder unmasked and Leonardo, and they just like jumped across each other, and there's just this tiny little slit where you can see his cantata blade went through his head. Um, it's pretty badass.
2: That is badass. Um... So what Ninja Turtle is your favorite, Brad? I don't have a favorite
3: Ninja Turtle. They're all the same, you know. I guess uh, growing up, you know, like most people, I probably gravitated towards Mikey because he was the funniest. Uh, But as a teenager, uh, you know, Raphael, Mm. the brooding uh, teen. And then, uh, you know, when I'm directing or filmmaking, like Leonardo, I feel like Leonardo because he's the leader. Nice. Um, Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, mine has always been Donatello. And I know that's most people are saying Donatello, he's lame. That's but not
3: true. Uh, as an adult, most people have told me Donatello is a favorite because he was the nerd. Really? Really? Yeah. I don't
2: know. I was just, I uh, liked him, you know, because I grew up with a cartoon as well. And I always liked him in the cartoon because he always had the inventions and, uh, you know, kind of kept everybody level. Yeah. Uh, uh, my story—I know I've told this story on the podcast, but you know this might be someone's first this time listening to us. Um, my mom took us out of school to go see it, and I really—we really wanted to see it because we watched the cartoon, you know, every day when we got home from school. And my mom took my brothers and I took us out of school, and we went down to the Green Mountain Theater uh, in Lakewood and watched Ninja Turtles. And that's the earliest recollection I have of going to the movies—is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And so no matter how I feel about it now, watching it, that will, that memory and that uh, special moment can never be replicated. Uh, You know, it's when you're, when you watch it now, you know, I I still remember vividly the beats of the story. Uh, You know, uh, in the movie, I think Michelangelo is probably the coolest one in the movie I think he's the one that most people relate to. Um, But you also feel Leonardo's pain in the movie where, you know, it is a kid's movie and there's some pretty silly stuff, but after April's antique shop burns down, it gets kind of heavy with Raphael being injured and, you know, Leonardo not moving and he cares about his brother so much. And they don't have
3: Splinter to guide them. Exactly. It's the first time they've been on their own.
2: Yeah. so it, it is uh, a classic movie. Um, I, I watching it now. I'm still a little disappointed in the rooftop fight with Shredder. What? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but you know, you watch. There's something really great when you watch it too, with the the animatronics and the actual actors being there. That's lost in the glossy Michael Bay CGI stuff. Um, even though you know they're puppets and, you know, they might not move quite as well and their lips might not be as synced as well, but there's something tangible about them being there. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the, as a whole too, the the vocal performances in the 90 version are better. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things when you're a kid and you're like, Oh, Corey Feldman, he was in the Goonies and now he's Donatello. Uh, the stuff that I remember.
0: Wait, those are puppets?
2: Uh, uh, Splinter is, oh. um, but uh, the turtles are made by the Jim Henson Company, and so their whole head is oh, puppetry. They all are. Yeah.
0: Those aren't guys in suits. They no. are,
2: but the 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 heads are all puppetry, the
3: animatronics. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
3: And you got to think, like, you know, the the suits probably weigh like seventy pounds, and like those guys can't see shit. And they're jumping yeah. around doing flips. Like I was saying in the commentary, there's that scene of Raphael uh, doing cartwheels across that rooftop. Yeah, there's no safety like shield on that rooftop. 1990.
2: I, I was reading a really funny article on was it NewsRama or Bleeding Cool? I can't remember some comic book website, and they were talking about the worst uh, disguises of all time. And number two was Raphael, uh, <laughs> and number one is obviously always Clark Kent, but. Uh, you know, when you watch, you go, "Yeah, that's he." He still looks like a turtle. Well, back in those days,
3: like New York was a weird place to be, so <laughs> yeah, that's, that's why Casey is uh, misreading him as like a punk.
2: Yeah, you know, I I, I rewatched it today because I wanted to be it fresh in my head. But it's funny, I, you know, I wore out the VHS. You know, I, I always remember that FHE uh, animation that happened at the beginning, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I, I still think it's it's really funny when uh, Mikey's waiting for the pizza and he's eating the Popsicle. Uh, that moment's really great. Um, but, you know, I'm going to uh, – I know I've been – I'll get to you in a moment, Zach. Great uh, Ninja no, Turtles. I was
1: just showing the FHE on there because I yes. had – Yes. Uh, I, put-
2: <laughs> I wanted to go to Corinne because, Corinne, you have never seen Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles – Uh, Tell us about your experience watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles.
0: Well, I mean, if you really want an in-depth look, you should go check out at Catching Classic on Twitter.
2: Uh, Do not promote your show your shit on our show. You tell us what's happening on our show, and you do it now.
0: Well, I just, in case the viewers or listeners are interested, I did live stream commentary. not. (laughs) Not commentary, commentary, but... I did live stream me watching the first 15 minutes and then watching the last 15 minutes, so I think you get a pretty good idea for how I feel about it. But I, I don't know. I guess ultimately it's harmless. I, I I was confused initially as to which turtle was which. Like, I know their names, but I didn't necessarily know, like, oh, yeah, the blue one is Leonardo. Leonardo? Yes. Um, I, I feel like I knew the purple one was Donatello for some reason, and then very quickly had to figure out, like, which one the other, all the other ones were, and, uh, I I just, but yeah, like, for whatever reason, like, I knew who Casey Jones was when he showed up, of course, I know April O'Neil, you know, Shredder and Splinter, although I keep getting their names switched up, um, I don't, I don't know, I just... I know Brad has and you have a lot of nostalgia for it and I don't and I'm just watching it and in my head I'm trying to judge it as like a movie movie and not as like a kid's movie from 30 years ago so I was just like being super critical of it earlier today and then I realized like you know what you you just gotta think of this the way you would think of like Pokemon the movie because I was really into I was really into Pokemon as a kid, as I sit here and hold my little toy, Eevee. Um, I was really into Pokemon as a kid. And I remember going to see Pokemon, the movie, Pokemon 2000 and whatever. And who knows whether they're good movies on their own merit, but.
2: Nope.
0: (laughs) Um, But it's like, it's a movie. It's for kids. It's probably more so for people who are already invested in the franchise in some form or fashion. And for me coming in as an adult, watching this 30 years after it was made, not really having invested in the franchise at all, this is not a movie for me. So and that's okay. You guys had a great time watching it and I don't necessarily need to.
2: That's right. You know, movies are interpretive art. Some people like the stuff, some people don't.
0: Yeah, I mean, there were, in, there were aspects of it that were... Good. <laughs> As I said on Twitter, that long shot where they introduced Shredder is really cool. Um, but yeah, there were problems I had with it, but I don't know. I guess like I, I just wanted like a little bit more cohesive movie and you guys were talking about like which turtle is your favorite and in this movie, blah 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 about this turtle. and I felt like the only one I really learned anything about was Raphael. Like I felt like he was the only one who had a real personality. Couldn't tell you anything about Donatello. Leonardo is the leader, and he cared about his brother, and they had a fight, and that was about it. And then Mikey is like the funny one who cracks all the jokes and loves pizza.
2: Yeah, who doesn't crack like jokes and sum, love pizza.
0: That's like the sum of like the entire personality that comes out in a 90-minute movie.
2: Uh, everybody can relate to Michelangelo because everybody likes pizza, and everybody likes jokes.
0: Okay. <laughs> I again, I just I figured we spent almost the entire movie with them. I'm surprised like we didn't get more of their personalities because I'm sure they have them. You were talking about how Donatello's like the nerd, and I didn't get that in this movie.
3: Yeah, he's not really, a, you know, the the gadget guy. The nerd doesn't really come across in this movie. And to, to be fair, like this is movie's more based on the comics, and that really yeah. doesn't show up in the comics either. That was really an uh, an invention of the cartoon show. So,
2: yeah, uh, yeah, the 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 movie follows pretty closely. Is it the first three issues, Brad? Is what you were saying? Uh like the, the first the ten. Or ha- how many issues does it follow pretty closely?
3: I'd say about the first ten, because like I said, the tenth one has the antique store burning down and uh, Shredder getting attack get decapitated. Like, and the whole return to New York storyline. Actually, I think those issues are twenty one through twenty three. Oh, okay. So, it runs pretty deep.
2: Gotcha.
0: Brad? As I was saying uh, last night, and Brad knows about this, but I was, I, I, I felt like the whole point of the movie, like the theme or the moral or whatever, was like teamwork and like really working together and this idea like they're without splinter for the first time in their lives. And he had just said, you know, like, you guys need to like figure out how to work together. And then they have the one scene where Leonardo and Raphael have the blow-up, their argument, and then they have the scene with the fire with Splinter, and that was a really good scene where he's like, "You all need to, like, work together and stuff. And then we got to the rooftop fight, and it's like, they're not working together. The whole point was them they're supposed to work together to take down Shredder, right? And they did not do that, and then Splinter takes him down, sort of. Although Casey Jones kills him. I was yeah, I was a little kind of disappointed on that. That's how the Turtles
2: roll. They murder.
0: (laughs) Well they don't actually. They didn't do anything to Shredder. Uh, He kicked their asses and then Splinter threw sorta threw him off a roof and then Casey Jones crushed him to death.
2: Well, I think he's dead when he fell in there. Because and, and then wasn't it funny when Casey Jones is like, "Whoops!" and he killed him.
0: <laughs> I know this is so fucking dark. <laughs> um, you know, Casual Murder. It's okay, kids. It's also, they made work. the they made the like teenagers hanging out with the Foot Clan look like really fun. I'm like, why are you doing this? If anything, you're making the kids want to join the Foot Clan.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I really wanted a nice. Cool. I really wanted a, a Whopper because that was great product placement when they're using the stolen uh, stereos.
1: Oh, that's a Lawson piece. Nice.
3: For those uh, of you listening at home, I'm sharing uh, screenshots of the comic books for the, my co host here
2: uh zach we've dominated this conversation and we haven't let you talk so it's been a really interesting conversation but <laughs> what do you have to think what do you think about teenage mutant ninja turtles
1: well i first got into them when brad's dad was killed in vietnam and uh it really changed my <laughs> life no um i was telling brad on the commentary a little bit my my, my teenage mutant ninja turtledom um re- revolved around the first movie and the third movie and the third movie is the one i watched the most. Um, I don't know why it's just the one that we watch the most me and my sister or just me. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, as I was growing older, I obviously got into different things, you know, uh, like radio and, you know, car, other car, like older cartoons and stuff like that. So my turtle fandom has never been like anything short of like surface level. Like those are guys, those guys are cool. Like splinter was my favorite character. Cause it was a rat who was a guru and I fucking loved it. Um, but um, as I've known Brad, my appreciation for...
0: Oh my gosh, Zach, he's not a guru. He's a sensei. Get it right. Even I know that.
1: He's a mentor character. An archetype mentor character. And he's great. And he's a rat. And he wears a gi and it's awesome. Um, so, um, But knowing Brad, like my appreciation for it has gone up. But I haven't like revisited it like I should. So watching the movie with Brad, um, I had not watched it since I was a kid. And I was pretty blown away by how sincere the movie is to the premise of uh, what Eastman and Laird were doing initially with those comics. Um, And, you know, full disclosure, I've never read the comics. I've watched the Turtle Power documentary where they kind of go through it. And so there is a lived-in feel to this film that we talk about, and it, it reminds me a lot of what 89 Batman was doing, where Gotham feels like a tangible city. These characters feel tangible thanks to that um, uh, the animatronics that Henson worked on, um, and the, the, the world feels real. It doesn't feel artificial. It doesn't feel like it's not taking it seriously. Clearly, this is a sincere approach to a premise that was initially designed as a parody of Daredevil. Um, I think everything like still works for me, even as it did as a kid. And it actually kind of went up a little bit in my head, because it's like, you have to keep in mind, this is a Golden Harvest film, and it's, its use of martial arts in the movie is fantastic by Golden Harvest standards, the ones who put out those Jackie Chan movies. And there's some wonderful martial arts cinematography and choreography in this film. And with those suits on, of course, that's difficult. Of course, they're probably sweating their balls off. So there's a lot of appreciation that I have for it. And I just, I appreciate that the movie doesn't try to like treat itself as a joke, which I remember is what Secret of Ooze does. And I certainly know that's what the third one does, uh, having rewatched it two years ago with Brad at his birthday thing at the bug. Um, so yeah, I, I I think you should all watch it. And as we were talking about in the commentary, and you'll listen, I'll reiterate it here. If you think that those animatronics are, are goofy and stupid, y'all need to shut up because those are friggin' awesome. And I don't understand how people could not like those animatronics because they are just, they are wonderful, tangible pieces of not just Jim Henson's artistry, but also like what you can do with a movie that doesn't require a computer um that being said I, I i i i would i would totally revisit this again and again now and now that it's on netflix i can totally do that until i pick up the blu-rays eventually so yeah uh, sorry i didn't
2: hey brad um is there anything you want to close this episode with um any last bit of turtle wisdom oh we're done already wow did you want to talk more about it
3: no i, I, I we reviewed i felt like we've reviewed the. Um... The legacy of the turtles, but not so much the movie itself.
2: Okay. Um, what do you want to say about the movie? That's why
0: I um... I reviewed the movie. Uh
3: it's awesome. It's 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 totally awesome. It's rad.
2: I you know, have always like Kawabunga. <laughs> <laughs> that
3: is a wonderful moment. I
1: friggin' love it.
3: Yeah, maybe it's not a classically uh uh filmic film, but it uh it's entertaining it's it, it's uh, the production design is like just matches the comics so well um there there's a strong heart to it with uh, these four brothers trying to you know make figure out how to survive without their master and um uh yeah it's it's funny in a lot of places uh yeah,
2: yeah the um, one- the one thing I, I was, uh, I don't like the Casey Jones guy. Really? Agreed.
1: Yeah. Elias Koteas.
0: <laughs> I don't like Casey Jones as a character. And I don't like him getting together with April O'Neill at the end.
3: Well, he does because that's the comics. But like, what don't Ryan? Care. Ryan, you don't like the character <laughs> itself or the actor?
2: Uh, I don't like hi- him in the movie. I always thought Casey Jones would be cooler. He doesn't seem cool to me in the movie. Really,
1: oh, mm. is cool. Ryan, I'm is sorry to say, the
3: best. Yes. He's the coolest version of Casey Jones on screen that I've ever seen.
0: Wow, and, that's sad.
2: I'm just not feeling him. But you know what? It's okay. The costume's cool. It looks like the comic book.
1: You know, uh, Brad and I point out in the commentary, like, when Casey Jones is acting like a dick and gets his comeuppance via April or just falling on that bench, like, you know, he's not without consequence. Like, he he pays for his arrogance. Uh, And uh, I was was actually very – Brad was saying, like, it may not be classically filmed or whatever – I'd argue that there's a lot of noir in the film. Like The the low lighting in this film does add a depth to this story in a way that you don't see in the other two films where everything's very brightly lit. And this one does treat itself as austerely as it possibly can, even in the visual department. Like New York City, with the exception of the lack of people that are running around the city... Um, that Carol co lot does feel lived in and it's got a griminess to it. So it feels lived in and
0: it works. I was waiting for Vincent to pop up. Like Vincent, Ron Perlman's Vincent, just like step out of the sewers and just be like,
3: Oh, from being (laughs) the beast. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I was saying on the commentary, uh, you know, this is from 1990 and, uh, Friday 13th, Jason Hicks Manhattan is 89, like they're, th- those two worlds were very closely existing in that version of New York City.
0: I want to say so Beauty and the Beast is around that same time as well. It's like late 80s, early 90s?
3: Probably.
1: So they, they could all feasibly form a weird Avengers team that would be pretty wonderful.
0: Yeah, I don't know what it was about like the late 80s, early 90s, but like there is some kind of weird fascination with people living in like the sewers or under the sewers of New York City.
3: That's right. Jason did melt in the sewers in Friday the Thirteenth
2: Part Eight. So with all the the toxic waste that gave birth to the Ninja Turtles, it's all connected.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh also, yeah, maybe it is.
1: Also, Blinky the fle- three-eyed fish from The Simpsons is in that team as well because <laughs> all that all that nuclear waste. Po- Mr. Burns just didn't realize can't put nuclear waste in the river. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we got a uh uh a request for next week uh is to from Jamal and we know him from Comic-Con. He cosplays as Marty McFly. Um he wants us to do Predator 2. So next week we will be going down the nostalgia train again for Predator 2.
0: Um Is that streaming somewhere? I don't know. Anybody
2: know? I, I own the Ultra Actually,
0: HD. I've never seen the original Predator either, so...
1: Friend, we should do a watch party with my copies. That, like, just watch the first two. You get an idea. Actually, the second one doesn't even have much to do with the first one anyway. So. Um,
2: the I have the Ultra HD, so I'll probably watch that. Uh, Predator 2 should be on
3: Amazon Prime, iTunes, Google Play, Vudu. Yeah.
2: Nice. Okay.
0: Should I watch course. Predator 1 first? You can. Because yeah, it's amazing.
3: But... It's definitely the best one. And, and
2: that letterbox box. Would I be like, totally
0: lost? Off. Would I be totally lost watching just Predator no. 2 with no context?
2: No. Yep.
3: Predator 2 is kind of its own thing. Yep. Is,
0: is it the first Predator where he's like, get your da choppa? Yep. Yep. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is yeah. a terrible Schwarzenegger impression. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, so uh, Brad, did all your dreams come true that now we're doing, uh, we did Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as a whole episode?
3: You know, uh, the only thing that would have been better if the, is if the whole episode had been just totally only Ninja Turtles, but this is pretty good.
0: You guys also but, did do know, an entire commentary on it as well. Aren't you turtled out at this point? Never.
3: Uh, it's... I've been with like dealing with this for like 30 years. Uh, it's not going to get old, I don't think. So uh,
2: we should also point out that uh, our panel at Denver Pop Culture Con, we're hoping, is going to be a celebration of 30 years of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yep. So um, Stay tuned for that as well.
3: And if you want to win prizes, you'll have to stump me on trivia.
2: That's right. Brad's going to be our turtle power expert.
3: He'll be like, win Ben so, size money. Uh, thanks but... for
2: listening this week. Yeah. Oh, man, I forgot that show. That show was fun um (laughs) thanks for uh listening um remember t-u-r-t-l-e power